This is National Tea Time. Yes, God, everybody. My name is Alora O'Shaughnessy. I am your host for National Tea Time. Today, my very special guest is none other than Molten Decadence. How are you, Miss Molten? Oh, I'm so good. Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. I absolutely appreciate you doing this. It's my pleasure. So tell us about yourself. I have been performing for just a little under 15 years, and I've been a Missouri resident for nine, going on 10 years this May. It's been a roller coaster of a journey, and I'm very excited to see how things pan out after COVID-19. And I'm excited to be here on the podcast. Yes. I'm hoping things go go smoothly after we're allowed to go perform and everything. But you know that's, that's not going to happen. <laughs> oh, it's going to be an interesting ride one way or the other for sure. Absolutely. Remind me, what is your title again? Currently, I am Miss Gay City of Fountains America on my way to Miss Gay, Missouri, America. Oh, fabulous. And what title and what year did you hold for the United States pageantry system? I was Miss Gay United States at large 2018. Ooh, yes. I actually remember you coming to Arkansas and performing down here with Taylor. And that's how I met you. Mm-hmm. It was one of my first stops on the trip, actually. I'm Miss Gay United States, and we've been friends since. She competed at Miss Game Missouri in 2014, I believe. Mm-hmm. So it's been uh, it's been a hoot to get to know her. So she was excited to have me down at Arkansas after I won. And I was pleased to come. Oh, yeah. You were an absolute joy. You were actually one of the very first entertainers I saw perform Lizzo before Lizzo became oh. who she is now. Yeah, I've been a huge Lizzo fan for years. I met her randomly in Minnesota, the state that I won my prelim. So it was just a weird full circle moment, actually. Wow. So just know her as an artist and love her work. That's everything. What actually got you interested in drag and pageantry? What were some of your muses and inspirations that you looked to when it came to drag and pageantry? I got started in drag pageantry really late in the game compared to most queens. I wasn't really involved in drag much at all aside from fandom until college. As a sophomore, I got roped into a fundraising event that our student body government was doing. So I joined two of my classmates and we put together a routine to Destiny's Child. Yeah. <laughs> lose my breath. And that was really the beginning of my love of just drag in general and then after that it was like a fish to water it was the most exciting thing in my life at the time so you know i started auditioning for clubs and trying to get gigs and at the time i was really young and really green around the edges and so Mm -hmm. it was difficult to break into the scene without any kind of drag credentials no one really knew me i was just kind of this young whippersnapper on the scene so for me, pageantry came about really as a way to validate my art. People didn't really start taking me seriously until I started competing. And in Michigan, there were a couple of amateur pageant circuits that mm-hmm. I kind of dabbled in. But really, it wasn't until professional level pageantry that people really gave me a chance 
So after I won my first title, I uh, auditioned for a spot at my first home bar. And it was kind of over after that. Wow. What home bar are you with now? At Hamburger Mary's in Kansas City currently. Oh, I've always dreamed about performing at Hamburger Mary's. To me, that is the epitome of It drag. is the Chuck E. Cheese of the drag world, and I love it for that. <laughs> Absolutely. I've only ever been to Hamburger Mary's once, and it was uh, the St. Louis one. It was right after they held Miss Gay America for the first time in St. Louis. Dominique Sanchez, Mocha Montrese, and then the girl who gave up that year, uh, oh, Devastation. Oh, yeah. That was such a good pageant to watch that year. Yes, it was. I had actually never been to Miss Gay America until that pageant. And the uh, only reason we really went was because Dominique was the new show director over the Hamburger Marys there. And so I was like, well, two birds, one stone. We'll go see Dominique and we'll see a good pageant. And um, that's how I kind of fell in love with uh, Miss Gay America all over again. Because it's very prominent here in Arkansas. But until you see it nationally. And it is all. They do not, and it is a whole different thing. Them girls did not play that year. It's my favorite. I oh, started in this American pageantry, and I really don't think that I'll be satisfied with my pageant mm-hmm. history until after I win Miss Gay America. Yes. Well, I'll be rooting for you. Oh, thank you. Why did you choose to compete for the title of Miss Gay United States at Large? I have always enjoyed performing in at-large pageantry. I... I've always been a bigger to medium-sized big guy. So in those kind of scenarios where I'm put together, you know, I'm an 18, 20, so by no means am I super big. But when I'm competing against girls who are like a 9 and a 10, sometimes the critiques that some judges would give just about how my body would look in certain garments or how I would carry myself in certain categories was always really unusual. And I found that I didn't get that same kind of criticisms from at-large pageantry. So I kind of settled into those pageant systems pretty early on. Right. And Miss Gay United States came has always been on my registry just because some entertainers that I really look up to a lot in the industry have come through the system. Cody Collins, Jessica Jade, mm-hmm. Taylor Madison Monroe. They're just some really big names that I always really looked up to. At that you found a home there, Ginger Minge. So when I was looking for a new pageant home after my year at Continental, there were a lot of things that were aligning for United States. My drag sister, Aaliyah Martinez, was the reigning Miss the United States at the time. Mm-hmm. She competed three times for that pageant, and I had to miss all three times that she competed, including the time she won, because I was always either on assignment or in a show. Right. And so I promised her that if... I was not currently in a pageant system, I would enter. You know, I'd always been interested in the system, and so timing just worked out. So that summer, I entered two pageants, not expecting to win either of them, but I entered in one Miss Georgia and Miss Minnesota that year. So I competed at Miss Gay America and Miss Gay United States. Oh. It was a doozy of a year, honey, let me tell you. For one, those are two completely different systems. <laughs> they are. <laughs> um, I've always heard that uh, United States is very closely related to as like scoring wise, like America is. But from me just personally watching it and um, watching old videos, they're completely different. <laughs> they are. 
the what the judges are looking for at United States compared to Miss America is what really brought me to the system. Miss America always prides itself on being a standard of excellence mm-hmm. and drag perfection. And United States pageantry carries themselves that same way, but the thing they hold at its highest esteem, I would say probably is one of its core values, is that they really want the drag family that we all look for right. to be a tangible experience and then for that experience to be able to be expanded to include the entire country. And I wasn't sure when, when you hear someone say a phrase, you know, we need to, you know, be national and be united. It sounds a little tongue in cheek cheesy, right? but they really mean that. And I don't think I've found a pageant family that has so many roots and so much love for each other than I found at Gay United States. And my entire reign was just full of love and it was the best part. So I think in that aspect, I found something that I hadn't found at Miss Gay America before mm-hmm. was that I found a smaller family to be immediately in love and involved in. And right from the jump, they made every effort to make sure that I was engaged, had resources, was connected to formers. And it was just beautiful. That's fantastic. I interviewed Taylor on an earlier episode and um, about her reign as Miss Gay United States. She said it's just one of those systems where you just love being a part of the family. You really do. Even just as a competitor in the system, it feels like just one big family. And that's one of the reasons I'm competing for Miss Gay United States in the future. I'm not going to say when. You'll love it. <laughs> I've always admire that about the gay united states pageantry that they do hold the be national be united true to their hearts they really do and i think jp and the whole national office they really make that a a forefront for them which is fabulous and i think a lot of systems could do a little better about that to be perfectly honest (laughs) (laughs) when you had decided to go for miss gay united states at large what was your process of picking your prelim Missouri at the time didn't have um, a United States prelim. So I really had to think critically about where I wanted to go and what pageant system I wanted to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the options that were available for the at-large system. And I think the contest that really spoke to me was Minnesota. It was a little bit further than I would have typically gone for a one-off pageant. I got to check off a couple of things on my list. They were hosting the pageant at the Gay 90s. And at the time, I'd never been to the Gay 90s. I've always heard about that place. (laughs) Me as well. And I've always wanted an excuse to go. And throughout the years, one just never presented itself. Either no one was interested in going with me or I didn't know anyone that was there. Overall, I just never really had a good reason to find myself in minnesota right to be honest (laughs) let's be honest who really goes to minnesota just to go to minnesota what i discovered is that nobody does exactly (laughs) (laughs) so after you know five six years of wanting to to experience one of the largest you know nightclubs in midwest history the pageant was being held there and that was the sign that i needed i was like oh well I guess I'll finally get to go to the Gay 90 this way. And so that was the one excuse for me to go. And the promoter was Kimberly Geis. And she's Brendana Dupree. She's a former Miss Gay United States. And she was just so forthcoming and so supportive. 
She had so many lovely things to say, what she just seen and heard about me in drag. And I was really excited to get to go and not just meet her, but get to become a part of that family. And it was right. exactly what I was hoping for. Did you win your prelim? I did, actually. So you were Miss Minnesota, United States? Miss Gay Minnesota, United States. Okay. Yeah. And that would have been 2018 as well, right? Or was that 2017? It was 2018. 2018. So you get to the national pageant. They don't do a top 10 or a top 12 or anything, do they? They do. Oh, they do. Depending on the amount of girls. So the, we only had 11 entries. There were a lot of girls who didn't come through that were first alternates during that reign. So there were only 11 of us that year. We just did a top five. So it was a little bit smaller and a little bit more intimate, which mm -hmm. honestly made the competition that much more scary, to be honest. Because you got to see and hear and really know everybody fairly intimately, which at other pageants doesn't always get to be the case. But I got to know every single girl that was competing that year, and we got to spend at least some time together. I was dressing another contestant who was competing for another division, as well as a lot of girls were that year, which I thought was also kind of amazing to see how deep those family ties really go there. I was there for four days instead of the single day pageant. Right. And it was just amazing. We got to be there for, for Miss Mr. And at um, Elite. Absolutely. I wouldn't mind going just to watch their national pageant because it looks like it it'd is just a be a lot of fun. A holler. It really is. <laughs> that whole evening was just a blur, really. There was so much excitement in the air and so many new people to meet that I either only heard about before or that I only met online. Right. And it was insane to get to finally put a name and a face to all of these people that have been floating each other at the peripheral of my drag vision for such a long time. When it came down to it, you're going through the pageant, they're announcing the top five. And a lot of people who may not know about gay United States pageantry is that the top five compete in on stage question and answer which is yeah. scary to me. <laughs> I don't like question and answer. <laughs> what was going through your head when they announced you as part of the top five? I was nervous, to be honest. Every other contestant besides myself had entered Miss the United States at large at least one time beforehand, mm -hmm. except one uh, contestant. But the one contestant was Dominique Chappelle. Oh. I know. So I was petrified you know i was underprepared comparatively to some of the other girls just because i didn't have the experience to rely on to get me through some of the stressful points of the competition so when they announced me for top five i couldn't believe it. i was like what is happening how is this going on so they ushered us off and i'm in complete freak out mode Oh, I can only imagine. I'm trying to like hold my composure and not freak out. So I'm like, oh my God, I am this close to being Miss Gay United States at large. Like, I can't fuck this up. I can't. So we went over by a pool table and my dresser uh, decided that to distract me. We should not think about the question. We shouldn't think about preparing at all. And so we just took a couple of photos in the pool room. <laughs> to get my mind off the competition. Yes. So right up until they announced it, it was my turn to go on, 
we were just posing over by the pool tables, completely unaware of anything that was happening. And I think to this moment that it's probably the thing that I'm most grateful for. But when they finally did announce me for my question, I was caught off guard. I was so relaxed that I wasn't really ready to answer the question. And I don't think that I had time to let my nerves get in the way. Right. Because that ended up being the category, actually, that put my score in the first place. Oh. I won every category but Americana Runway. But up until that point, we hadn't done final tabulation. So no one was really sure who had won talent yet. My gown was phenomenal. And I just have to thank my designer, GB Couture, for that really came together and it was something unique and it was different and they hadn't seen anything like that before. So I felt really good about my evening gown and my talent was really smooth and I got really good responses. But up until question and answer, I didn't really know how well I was doing compared to the other girls just because I had nothing to really base that on. Right. So when they announced me as part of the top five, it was like a complete shock. It felt like validation. It felt great. But at the same time, I was like, oh, my gosh, we are now in the big leagues. Like, this is it. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it is go time. Right. For my curiosity, do you remember the question you got? Ooh, you know, I don't remember the question. Oh, damn. <laughs> but I remember the feeling of the question was in my wheelhouse that, I can't remember the details now, but I remember hearing the question and instantly having an answer for the question before they finished the question. Like, it was a great question. And then, you know, when you get get a good one, a good, good, solid answer, it was was like that. Like, I heard it and it was like, wait a minute, that's the question? Oh, okay, I got this. (laughs) Those are my favorite questions because it's like, oh, I thought about this multiple times. Let me just get this out of the way then. It was literally just like that. And I remember answering the question, and I was the last in question. So I remember getting the question, answering it, and then leaving the stage and feeling like I won. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that felt like a really solid answer. I I might have just won the pageant if it's good. Like, if I won that category, I feel like I might have won the pageant. Yeah. <laughs> leaving the stage. And in that kind of fear where like you don't want to say it out loud. Oh, absolutely. But I was like, like, okay, maybe, okay, whatever. Let's let's let ourselves feel these feelings because that's real, and then let's move on. <laughs> absolutely. So that brings me into the next question. They're announcing second runner-up, first runner-up. I mean, you've done all the categories. You've made the top five. What were you thinking? Did you think you had won? when they started announcing the first runner-up and second runner-up and all that? Or did you think, oh, well, if they're giving those awards to those girls, did I lose? <laughs> I Honestly, I thought that I was to Dominique Chappelle. <laughs> I didn't feel like I, I felt like I'd won. But I wasn't holding out of trophies at the time. I was like, well, I'm not holding out of trophies. I don't think this is my time. <laughs> uh- you know, usually when you see the girl holding the most trophies, the that's the girl that's gonna win. You know, she's got all the get like all the trophies, like she clearly won. Right. Not knowing that they didn't announce some categories because I've taken those as well. So I'm just petrified at the time. And they 
announce the second runner-up, and I'm like, okay, I love her. She's great, awesome. And then they announce Dominique Chappelle as the first runner-up, and I'm like, oh, my God. And that moment where, you know, your heart and your head are saying the same thing, it was the first and only time I've ever had that happen. Where I'm like, oh, my God, that I just win. Oh, my God, that I just win. And then they called my name, and it's on video, and it's probably my favorite moment of all of my life because I lose all composure. <laughs> which was, which uh, is what you're supposed to do when you're crowned a new title. I'm just saying. And it's perfectly That's what fine. I always thought. And so it was, I'm grateful that I wasn't the teary-eyed kind of winner, but I wish that I had been because my response is so not attractive. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry about like, crowning. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Whoever says that their crowning photos are attractive are clearly lying. I'm oh, sorry. That's everybody. The thing I wish that they were like ruined because I was teary eyed or crying or anything like that. Uh, but no, they was it was worse. I was I was not ladylike in the <laughs> little bit. <laughs> I mean, I did a full thing pump there's a, a fuck yeah in the moment <laughs> and then there's a brief second where you see me realize what's happening I'm like oh let me smooth my dress and get my life together for a moment. sorry i'm back <laughs> very <laughs> <Okay>. that <laughs> like i said it's on video and i look at it and i'm like girl really send me this video together? i want to see this <laughs> oh i will but i'm watching it i'm like really you couldn't hold it together for like 30 more seconds, bitch. <laughs> Hell no, you just won a national pageant. That is and your I, moment. And I celebrated on stage hard. And, it, and it, I have regretted nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you, you have no regrets. No, I would do it again. Because it was real. Because you see some girls win and they have the, oh my god, I'm so excited. And the fake cries or any of that. Oh, and I that hate the fake cry. None of that. <laughs> It was nothing but smiles and cheers. And to my surprise, the audience who, you know, because I was the new girl, um, they really only got to know me from either knowing me online or seeing what I brought that weekend. Right. So when I won, I was not expecting to get a very welcomed reception from the people that were there. But to my surprise, everyone was so excited and happy for me, which... You know, I've won a lot of pageants at that point, but never, never won where I was the underdog or the unexpected, unexpected winner. Right. So for me, it was, it was the proudest moment of my life because the people that were there for everybody, not just me, but that were there supporting all the girls, they cheered for me like I was there, like I was the winner. And that, I think, is my favorite part of the night. Yeah. Maybe just became this big party about me and everybody was into it absolutely see i i'm waiting i'm waiting i just gotta be patient damn it <laughs> it's getting harder and harder to be patient about it patience is the hardest part <laughs> it it really is you've won it all hits you during your reign what were some of the hardships you encountered what aspects of your life truly changed after you got crowned for me, everything kind of changed, which was not what I was really expecting. So I, at the time, was a hairstylist, and 
I had recently left the salon that I was working at. I just was having a lot of emotional dis- distrust with the mm-hmm. salon staff that I was at. So I needed to get out of that environment for me. And simultaneously, the bar that I was working at at the time was going through some not so fun growing pains. And I decided that I needed to leave the show cast there. And so, the, so my life kind of fell apart right before so coming back i had a lot of just rebuilding in general to do and my emotional state just did not handle it well world so i've always struggled just in general with issues around you know body image and body dysmorphia and they came back 10 20 fold in that time frame uh just because all of a sudden there were, you know, people that, you know, that I've known and loved and worked with and admired for years, all of a sudden were looking at me in a completely different light than I was used to. And I didn't handle that part well at first. Because when I think about how I wanted my first reign to be and how I wanted it to go and, and all of the details, this was so far outside of the box of what I had planned mm-hmm. for that I honestly just really didn't have the emotional reserves for it at the time. And so now I dealt with a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, and being on the road did not help very much. Just because there was so little time to process some right. of those feelings, but it had work to do. You know, I've always been a fairly self-sufficient queen, so working on costumes, hair, and choreography, and all of that still had to take precedent in my life. And now even more so, so I felt you know, the stress of not only do I have to look good and be good and perform well and whatever, but now I have to look good, amazing and feel amazing and be this, you know, this leader in a new capacity that I had right. before. And when you're not at a hundred, it's so hard to give of yourself to people, but I've always been such a a giver that I'm bad at self-care. And so it was not unlike me to be in circumstances where I just emotionally didn't have what it took, but I was giving it anyway. Towards the middle of my reign, there was just a lot of things that just weren't going well, just in general. And I just crumbled and I had to step away from a lot of things. So I left the bar that I was working at in the midst Mm. of all of that time. And I had to really take some time to focus on these. And I look back on it now and I don't regret it, but I remember doing a video blog about it at the time towards the end of my reign, just because there weren't a lot of prelims to sell. In all honesty, I didn't do a really good job of selling and securing new prelims just because I was so emotionally not prepared to do the kind of networking that was required of me. So when we had to open the contest to allow people to just pay their entry fee without doing a prelim, I took that very hard. But instead of, you know, crumbling under that pressure, I decided to use that moment as a place of strength to kind of share that part of my story and kind of talk about what was going on with me. And, you know, opening up that way, I found a lot of peace and a lot of strength actually to 
continue on and to make what was left of my reign and better than the beginning. And I'm really grateful for that. Right. I don't know if this next question really is going to make sense now, but how did you overcome those obstacles personally? Yeah, I did a lot of therapy and meditation, to be honest. I took the, the time that I could have taken to put into emotionally improving the pageant, mm-hmm. I took to really emotionally improve myself, to really think about why am I feeling these things? Why do I, why am I not feeling on top of the world after accomplishing one of my biggest goals? Like, what are those reasons? Why am I letting my, you know, to use the repose and why am I letting my inner saboteur have this joy that I worked so hard for? You know, and in doing some of that soul searching, I found some really great answers and I relied on some really beautiful people to help me think differently about what I had and hadn't done at that time. And in doing that, I shared the journey that I was on and I've been really you know, open and vulnerable about it. And I found that that's the only thing that helped therapy and all of that was good but being open and honest about it all that was the part that really really let it sink home in that time talking about how broken i felt and how inadequate i felt i found that so many entertainers that i loved across the industry were going through similar feelings and i think that so much of us in the biz now experience those kind of feelings of loss right and guilt associated with art on a regular basis, especially in the time of drag race, where it's very easy for us to feel belittled or unjust or, you know, do all the things that happen when you compare yourself to, you know, to the rules. And I was definitely no exception to that. But sharing in therapy helps immensely. And, you know, as I still struggle to overcome some of those issues, I'm really grateful that it happened then instead of any other time because I was fortunate enough to have a platform and a voice that I could use to really encourage other people in that moment to do the same and to find themselves and to find the strength they needed to overcome their own. Right. And then I'm thinking in sharing that part of my story, I found a little bit more strength. Good. And it's still good. Right. Absolutely. Changing it up here a little bit. What was your support system like while you were Miss Gay United States? My support system was phenomenal. I've got a very small family network. So I never have the the luxury luxury. The luxury of, you know, leaning on family very mm-hmm. hard during those kind of moments. Just because there's nine of us total. So there's just not a lot of people on that list for me to lean on that way. So I really had to rely on friends and in a lot of ways, I relied on audiences pretty hard at shows that I host. I started doing this little bit called in How Are You? Where I would actually just like check in with, you know, a couple people in the audience. Just ask them like, how are you doing? How is life? How are things? You know, how are you feeling emotionally? Like, are you okay? Are you well? Do you need resources? Like, what's going on? What's good? And it turned into this really beautiful network of people that were either also feeling broken or people that were just going through the motions. Just a lot, a lot of different things. And, and that was something that I had never expected. 
you know, I've always been a fairly private person right. in that regard. And so having to call on different friends that I never called on before, looking at new relationships that I hadn't formed that became really important to me changed how I felt about everything. So my support system really, uh, really came through. I've always thought that having a good support system behind you is key to anything in life. Oh, definitely. Not just pageantry, but everything. I mean, I think a good support system can make or break anything. Absolutely. And in my case, I don't know what my life would be like now if it weren't for the folks that were there with me in, in the dog right. shop. Because there were just some moments where I just had to really, really find some good reasons to keep moving forward. And it's, it's one thing to, you know, to feel like you want to give up on life. Like, that's a darkness that happens right. to a lot of us at so many different points in our lives. But it's a whole other thing when you when you can't think of a reason to continue on, and the and the only reason that you do is because you have to. And I found myself being like, I have nothing, I have nothing within me that's telling me to get up, get out of bed, and keep it moving. Like I didn't have that internally. It's only coming because I had work to do, and I had pageants to go to, and contestants to recruit. Me. I had these things to focus on, and it provided me with a lot of clarity and it was just, it was not a very great time, but that's but my support system really helped me turn my frown upside down and turn my negative into a positive as best as I could anyway. One of the reasons I started looking heavily into the United States system was because of you. Um, I saw your reign through social media and I was like, I love this girl. <laughs> she is amazing. And you can tell through just through your social media that you're such a giver and you're a hard worker and it shows, it really does. It shows in everything you do. I think that was the one thing that I can say that I was proud about my reign is that while I wish there had been more work done in my reign, and I think everything oh, yeah. was, you know, to have, you know, huge contestants and big pageants and lots of promoters and all of that and i and i really wanted that um but the connections that i did make during my reign have been so tangible and so beautiful and i think that you know people that i've either inspired or that i got the chance to recruit to come and compete have just become some of my most cherished friendships there's, you know, people that I've met, you know, one or two times out of nowhere that I was able to have you know, a really deep, meaningful connection with. And I just love it. Like London Rain from Oklahoma, oh, for instance, her. she competed. And I do as well, but I never got to meet her. She was on a short list of people that I've always loved and admired watching online. And getting a chance to talk with her and to get her interested in the United States and then seeing her come to compete was was everything oh, to me. And like I, when I told her, I was like, "I've looked up to you for years. Like you're awesome. I love your shit. I'm so happy that you're here. I think you would be great for this." And then she did a wonderful job, and uh, she's on her way back representing Kansas. Yes, this year. and I'm really hopeful for her in getting a ticket. I really would love for her to join. She this gives so, you drag, um, though. Just all the drag. Honey. All of it and a bag of and chips. I think queens like that, that's the... Oh, <laughs> all of it. 
that's the thing that I'm excited about. That's the, the legacy I'm happy that I got to leave during my reign is that the people that got to see it or experience or even watch it on social media, they were able to see that the one thing that was a lot of during my reign was a lot of love. And there was so much of it that I received and I was able to give back out. And I can never, ever, ever repeat And that. like I said, your reign to me was probably one of my favorite reigns because you showed nothing but love throughout your whole reign. Even when you were here in Arkansas and I had met you for the first time, you just radiated love from your body for some reason. I don't know how to describe it. It was just love. And then you're also a fantastic performer, and you did Lizzo, who I thought I was the only one in Arkansas who knew who Lizzo was at the time. So I was like, yes. <laughs> she has gotten me through so many things in my life. Her, her music alone <laughs> is just, it's still good music. I will challenge any of the listeners to put her on and to not have a shift in energy. Like, it's so hard to, you know, listen to a Lizzo track and not come away feeling oh absolutely <laughs> and if you say you don't like lizzo you just lying to yourself well i personally don't trust those people because they're clearly lying to themselves and me and I don't very that them. very that <laughs> what is the best piece of advice you got during your reign oh i think the best piece of advice i ever got was from tiffany t hunter Ooh, yeah and i just love her she's been a someone that I would love to consider a mentor in my life because she always is so personable and so honest and has so many beautiful things to say. But I was entertaining with her at rehab in St. Louis. Hey, rehab. And she just told me that, you know, she'd seen my, one of my live videos and I was talking about me feeling inadequate as a ruler. And she just told me, she's like, girl, you just have to remember that your reign is yours. It can't be anybody else. You earned it, you worked for it, and good, bad, ugly, this is what you worked for. Like, if your reign is not perfect, that sucks. However, you worked really hard. For Absolutely. It, and you have to make that yours. Like, your reign is yours. Like, regardless of how it looks, how it feels, like, nobody can take that from you. Like, it's yours. And I think when I took that level of ownership, it changed. It changed me. Absolutely. I can see why. You make the year. And especially coming from oh, Tiffany T. Hunter. Absolutely. <laughs> you, anybody who is like Tiffany T. Hunter or Malcolm Montrese or Shay Shay Larise, if they tell you something, you, you better freaking listen. Because they've been there. Yeah. They've done that. They know what you're doing. <laughs> they know exactly like, what they're absolutely. doing. Absolutely. Uh, and Shay Shay was, as a former, was one of my biggest supporters. Oh, really? Yeah, actually. She was there the night that I won. And in the video, you can hear her and Brandon in the background yelling at the top of their lungs like excitable aunties. Yes. <laughs> and it's probably my favorite part. So I'm like, is she going to reach here for me? Oh my God. I will say, I'm completely off subject, my favorite Shay Shay Larice video is from Miss Gay America. Oh, what was it? What year was it? It was in, in the 90s, I believe, like 98, 97, something like that. And she did this immaculate talent. And she bucks the house down. And this, oh, yeah. this like <laughs> fully fringed yellow costume. And it's revealing and it's sexy. And it's, oh, it's just amazing. It's one of my favorite videos. I'll have to send it to you if you haven't seen it. Please do. Yeah, you can't go wrong with Hillary. She's 
They don't call her Mother Gangster for nothing. She is a powerhouse. Absolutely. She's <laughs> one of my favorite people, and I will one day meet her, I swear. <laughs> one of these days, I will meet her. She will be at the United States. <laughs> she doesn't ever miss it, and it's my favorite thing in the world. When you see entertainers that are like that, the, the, the sisterhood in the family is insane. The only former at large who could make it the year that I won was Ginger Minge. And that's because she was on right, the right. world. <laughs> Can't fault her for working, <laughs> making that coin. At all. Like, and I think that's been my favorite part because when I handed down, they were all there again in Roanoke. And it was just amazing to you know look out and see almost all of the formers and Shay Shay and all, just all of these people in the industry that I just love a lot were there and supportive and it was just great so what's your favorite memory from your reign like is there any funny stories you could tell or Ooh, i think my favorite memory is the night we had missed excuse me not missed the the night after the pageant so it was in new jersey when mm-hmm. i won the day after the pageant i had my first appearance which was craziness because they had missed new jersey the weekend after wow so my sisters went back to work for a couple of days and i had to stay in jersey and work so we had a pageant right there right afterwards so you know i didn't have the chance to have a full we had orientation that morning and and you like to think that you're as ready as you're going to be, and I did not get the chance to really feel right. ready. But I, the promoter was Ray Judy, and he was the he had just handed out his title as mm-hmm. Mister, and it was it was insanely beautiful to watch, and it was such a moment, and I remember being so grateful for that. Because, you know, when you look at a promoter who, you know, is involved or familiar or invested in any pageant system, you can only want someone who wants to be there and love being there. And Ray was the most amazing promoter. He was a phenomenal mister in general, but the pageant itself was just great. It was this cute little Latin club and... They fed us and they had a little DJ, and it was just a beautiful. You're automatically night. my best friend if you feed me. Period. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, no. Like I'm in my crown eating enchiladas, and it was me, <laughs> me backstage at Discovery in half drag, sitting on the counter eating. Done. I'm happy. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. and you know, and Verona, she was the reigning uh, who crowned me, and she was there, and. You know, when you think about what you want a handoff to be like, you, you always hope that you are going to be ready when the time right. comes. Like, okay, well, so this is the first prelim. Like, we had orientation this morning. Like, I hope that I'm ready. And she was there with me the whole time. And it was such a beautiful moment to just see that happen. And the the night before, I watched my sister, Taj Stetson, win the title of Miss Gay United States 2019. Mm-hmm. So we were just already on a group high just in general. I got to reign with both of my sisters. You know, but my sister Aaliyah was Miss Gay United States 2018. Mm-hmm. 
So our little, and it's just the three of us in our little drag family. So the three of us got to share a brief moment in pageant history that, 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 that will never happen again. And I think that that particular weekend was the coolest weekend. That sounds like it was. That sounds like one hell of a weekend, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> it was a great weekend. And then we got to close it off with uh, with two extra days in New York to just sightsee. It was beautiful. Jealous. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> it was beautiful. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Miss Gay United States 2019 was, the, I will say, it was probably that weekend was probably the highlight of my career. It also was a turning point for me emotionally because I was just coming out of intense therapy mm. at that point so i was feeling good i was feeling better about how i was navigating in the pageantry world and how system and it all really came together there and then i had a prelim the next day that was phenomenal so that day was hard to top oh i bet i absolutely bet that was hard to top many people know when you're a national title holder you travel a lot you are on the road more than you are at home. When it came to traveling, what did you learn about traveling with all the drag you needed for just one night or two nights? Less is always more was the first one because we get the luxury of being in our home bars and near our home bars. We didn't bring a lot of stuff. Right. You know? Makeup you're not using, costume you're not wearing, this or that, and just lots of things. Right. And so packing only a little bit more than you need, I found, was the, the secret. And I figured if you've got one gallon that you need, maybe bring a backup. But that's it. Like, not like a backup and then another option. Like, that's that's one too many goggles. So streamlining the amount of things and just really bringing only a little bit more than is required of you was a huge saver in terms of, like, never going over on baggage weights or... Never having too many hands to carry, so that helps a lot. Or in the words of Taylor Madison Monroe, learning how to pack for 49.8 pounds. <laughs> Girl, and when I tell you that is the goal, when you get it waiting, I'm like, yep, the half a pound there, perfect. Because <laughs> you're going to pick up something, you're going to have one other piece of jewelry or something else you're going to come oh, back with. absolutely. Probably, and you're going to want those couple of pounds to play with. Uh, so I would say that learning how to pack a little less and learning how to carry a small amount of makeup but in your carry-on that was the the one thing that i got really good at that would be my problem because i like makeup a lot and i i never know what i'm going to do with my makeup each time i get into drag so that's probably going to be something i want to have to work on <laughs> yeah and a lot of that is just comes down to like you have to start planning your face like you plan everything else and it's, what? it's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's hard when you're really thinking about it. You're like, okay, I'm gonna do the, I'm gonna do these eyes or have these options for eyes. So instead of bringing, you know, four eyeshadows and three palettes and two pigments, like maybe I'll bring one eyeshadow palette and two pigments. And one girl, because <laughs> 40, 50 pounds is it's too many. <laughs> Forty nine or less is always the goal. <laughs> One so, palette though, that girl, hurts I, my soul. <laughs> when I because uh, if you put your so going onto a plane, you've got your carry-on item and one small item. So you've got right. your crown there, 
and then your crown bag, you have your wallet and boarding information, and then you have your carry-on item. And then on there, you need to be able to have an emergency piece of quick drag. So you either have like a skater cut dress or um, a gown with an, an A-line cut and a chiffon bottom or something, just, just in case, like something right. that you put together. So one wig, one piece of quick drag, and then your face, and then an emergency set of boy clothes. And that's all that has to go in your carry-on bag. Because what will happen is if you arrive and then your luggage is delayed, the gig still has to go. And what you don't want to do is to end up having to go to Walgreens in the middle of God knows where trying to put together a whole face of makeup. But if you've gotten one look, one wig, you know, your face in a train case, and then a set of boy clothes in a carry-on bag, you can at least get through to the gig while you wait for your luggage to arrive. In worst right. case scenario, you only have the one look and you have to just make that work, uh, which happened one time, but luggage arrived the next day, so it's fine. But even still, you just have to be ready for that. I'd never really thought about that. What happens if my luggage don't arrive? You have nothing oh, that's scary. That's <laughs> and scary. And that, but also if you have your makeup in your check luggage, they're gonna have to check that. So you've got any loose powders, any loose glitters, like any of those um, really messy items, they're gonna get opened and they never get it tight enough and then you're gonna end up with it all over your bag. Well, I've got a glitter palette, so I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> they can't mess that up too bad. Yeah. I did not learn that lesson, so on my first trip, my makeup didn't make it till the next day, and it did Ooh. come here. I had highlight and glitter everywhere in my bag. No. Uh, it was a nightmare. <laughs> I can only imagine. I'm very particular about who touches my palettes, because, you know, germs and all that. I don't know how anybody can just take one palette. I'm sorry. Yeah, you really have to get creative. Um, because cause some palettes have a darker black, and one has this really pretty red, and then another one has a really p- pretty blue. See, yeah, that'd be my problem. Yeah, and that'd be so, a lot of other people's problems. Yeah, and, you, and it was for a long time, but then you just have to really think critically about it. All right, like, okay, I've got this much room, this much space. I've got three pounds left. Okay, what makeup am I not going to take? And you just have to start doing cuts. Like, well, okay, we're not going to bring the red glitter because we've got this AB iridescent glitter, and that's the glitter option if I decide that I'm going to wear glitter, and that's it. And it's a very OCD way to handle packing your makeup. But after that first incident, I never lost makeup. I never had makeup delayed. I never had anything broken. My crown survived without missing a stone the whole year, except for the tumble that it took in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that, too, because your wig full on came off. All the way. Well, the, the, the topper anyway. <laughs> I think I was I was actually running the light during that show. And I, I had a, a split moment of, should I turn the light off? Or is that just rude? I remember I've been basically gone, and I'm just and people are like shocked. I'm like, what? And then I even Taylor over. was sitting, going, "What just happened?" And then looking like, "Well, there's my updo topper and my crown on the ground." Okay, it, well. and it full on just on the ground. I was like, "Well, did she like, forget? Did she did does she not know what happened? Wait a minute. I had no, and that was the thing. Like until people like started pointing at it, I had no. I was like, "What?" No, because you full on just kept performing. You kept your composure. Like nothing happened. And I was like, "Oh, at least she's not going crazy." Yeah. yeah. And then you notice it on the ground. And it's like, "Oh shit." <laughs> yep. And then it became a bracelet. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, that's right. I remember that. I was like, she's just, oh, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. Oh wow. That comes that in was... as number two for my favorite moments because I I think watching an audience try to tell me that my crown <laughs> fell. <laughs> Baby. Oh, that was great. I hope to God that never happens to me one day. <laughs> <laughs> if it does, just hope that your other wig doesn't come off. Because I think that would have been the only thing worse than uh, than losing a topper and a crown, as if I would have lost the base wig. Also, and then just been out there bald headed. Did you have? A... Yeah. Did you was... have your base wig on? Yeah, I was wearing an uh, an afro updo. So the fro. Oh and, yeah, uh, that's right. The crown came down, but I'm still wearing the base. Luckily. Okay, I remember that now. But I just remember that being hilarious. And I was like, do I turn off the do I turn off the spotlight? What happens? I don't know what to do. Someone help her. <laughs> and no one did with the worst part. <laughs> <laughs> they just looked at me. <laughs> they really did. No one tried to help you or nothing. They just kind of just pointed and stared at you. <laughs> I think a lot of folks were just shocked as I was that that even happened. Well, you also have to think at Trinity, we get a lot of straight people. And so, and and the gays that go there, they're not the pageant gays. So they wouldn't be scrambling around to help you anyway. They'd be like, oh, well, she lost her crown. Oh, well. Oh, well. Well, sucks to be her. But I think the people, I I think the other drag queens were like existential crisis because we're like, she's in the middle of performing. She's still going. What happens? What are we doing? (laughs) Just, just let her be. She'll figure it out. <laughs> she, she got. She. Oh, it's on her arm now. She good. It's just a big old bracelet. It's fine. <laughs> so skip forward, Miss Gay United States at large. Yet again, you are giving up. It is your final performance. What are you feeling during this significant moment? I had such an unusual response because I thought that I would have been so teary-eyed and so emotional at the time but when it all happened i was so excited you know we had done such a great job that weekend the contestants were so lovely uh, that when it all was said and done i felt so accomplished you know we had a good contest the turnout was lovely uh, the audience that was there at Roanoke was just some of the best people I've ever gotten a chance to work with. In that regard, it was flawless. It was phenomenal. You know, I performed my final number. All I could do was be excited to find out who won. And who did you end up crowning? Paj Monet, which oh, ironically yeah, from right. my hometown, Lansing, Michigan. That's amazing. Yeah, that was a that was a good turn of uh and she's done such a phenomenal job so far. And you really have to hand it to the reignings, the national reigners right now. I don't know if that's the correct term to use, but I'm using it now. They're having to go on until 2021. Yeah. And I'm so happy that our national offices have decided to do that. It just Absolutely. Gives, it gives the entertainment an opportunity to really get their stuff back together. Aside from the uncertainty that most of us have dealing with COVID-19, those same effects are going to really show and affect how girls fundraise for pageantry. Oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine 
trying to get ready for a national competition in October. I couldn't imagine it. Yeah, that is a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I've been out of work since the beginning of March, and I'm looking at not going back to work until June, potentially. And that's the sad reality for a lot of us, and I feel like these... I feel like some could have said something a lot sooner than others. Oh, definitely. it's definitely a time where we really shouldn't be focused on, okay, well, let's get this pageant out of the way. It's a time where we need to sit back and be like, okay, can this wait? Can our national title holders wait another year? Yeah. And what I found is that most pageant systems realize that, yeah, we will be fine if we skip a year. And from a contestant standpoint, it gives you time to get ready. Uh, and I better see some phenomenal talents. Oh, year. God. I you think... know these girls are going to bring it. Oh, people have so much time. Like, I qualified Absolutely. for Miss Game Missouri this year, and they've postponed Miss America till next year. So they're holding our state-level contest this fall once things reopen. So leading up to... You in for to... a fight. <laughs> yeah. So we've gotten all of this extra time to get ready. And then from there, we'll, you know, the winner of Miss Gay in Missouri will have a whole year to prepare for Miss Gay America and wow. to enjoy her reign. So that's going to be, that's going to be phenomenal for a lot. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It, uh, I, well, I hope to win Miss Missouri. And then I would love to be able to use that year to really bring a solid top 10 package to Miss Gay America as, as I make my return. And I think an extra year gives me more than enough time that I need to do that, but also just enough time to let, you know, finances and my energy bounce back to where I need them to be. Absolutely. And that brings me to my final question. What is your advice for any contestant going into Miss Gay United States at large? Oh, for them to be themselves, the one thing that will set them apart in the contest it's how they interpret not only just the categories, but how they navigate the pageant itself. So many of the categories are so cut and dry, but they leave so much opportunity for self-expression. And that at some pageants, there's always a formula that somebody thinks you need to fit into, where you make out until it's like this, and your talent should be like this, and your presentation should have these elements, or those kind of things. Very cookie cutter. Yeah. And Gay United States, because they want to put the entertainer first, what they really value above all else is that individual interpretation of the pageant. I think that any queen who's able to step into a pageant arena is already taking a big leap. And when you're entering into a pageant system like Gay United States, that leap really is driven by how hard and how far you want to jump. Right. And I think that that is really unique in a lot of pageants where you always, you know, hear that, you know, the judges are looking for this or the judges are looking for that or the judges want this or that. And at Minsky United States, what the judges want is the best version that you have to offer yourself. And... That was always unusual. That Well, the first time that I heard that in Minnesota, I'm like, that's an unusual thing to tell contestants. Like, you want us to be the best versions of us? Well, 
how is that what you're looking for? Like, isn't there like a formula? Isn't there like a former? Is there something? And they want, no, we want you. That's what makes any group of people a stronger, more united national presence is if all of them are the best individual versions of themselves. When you put that together, it looks phenomenal and it feels the same. That's interesting. Never really thought about it that way. Yeah, because you know, because when you think about what Miss America's or Miss USA A's or entertainers of the year look like, those are such large mm-hmm. habits with such rich right. histories that it's difficult sometimes for an entertainer to enter into one of those contests without sacrificing some parts of themselves so they can, you know, fit the mold that the pageant is looking for. And the United States was was definitely not that. You know, I came in and I was the most unlike the other contestants that were entering that year. And it worked out in my favor. I've never been a super amazing seamstress, but I make a little bit of everything. So I make 90% of my own garments. And I wanted to make sure that I got to do that at Game United States as well. So for Americana Runway, which is the category that they just want you to be in all red, white, right. or blue, only those colors and coordinating stones, I made a fun swimsuit. Well, it's going to be 80-something degrees out there. Let's let's get something cute. And you know, other girls came out in ball gowns and feathers and back pieces. And uh, I just came out in a swimsuit and a pair of gauntlets and matching pumps. And, you know, while I didn't win that category, every judge made a comment about, like, girl, I can't believe you came out there in a swimsuit. I was like, well, my body was good. The hair was good. The swimsuit fit right. And it was all in the right colors. Like, they're like, yeah, you did that. I was like, then what's the problem? (laughs) No, and that that was the problem. The problem was that that wasn't a problem. And that was a beautiful problem. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, oh, so... Oh, so y'all liked that? It was not what you were expecting? Oh! Oh, okay! Because <laughs> you typically hear that and you think, oh, well, now they're, they're telling me they wanted me to change or whatever. And they're like, no, it was happy to see you. Because, you know, my character as a whole just tends to gravitate towards very ladylike mm-hmm. fashions and very slutty fashions. And that's just, <laughs> that's just how that seems to work for me. And so, you know, coming out with, you know, everything but the kitchen sink is would have been easy for me to do as well. Right. But, you know, I came out with just a cute little pair of buttons and a swimsuit and, you know, sold it. And I think that being able to stay true to what your brand is and who you are as an entertainer will really set any contestant apart that's entering this United States at large for sure. And I'm sure that can transcend into the other... Oh, to any pageant, definitely. Miss Gay United States, Mister. It can even go into Sim Fatale, absolutely. Icon, all of them, absolutely. Well, I want to say thank you very much, Molten Decadence, for doing this. It's been an absolute pleasure just getting to know you a bit more. Thank you for having me. It was. It's been such a treat. My name is Laura O'Shaughnessy, and this has been National Tea Time. (laughs) 